Welcome to the Gifted in Real Life podcast, where we discuss all things gifted learning, whether you yourself are gifted, you're parenting, counseling, or helping to launch someone gifted. This is the place to discuss your journey without the fear of judgment. I insist that you relax and enjoy the show. Welcome to the Gifted in Real Life podcast. Today, we have a very special guest, Mr. Kyle King, who is a well-known author. He's authored over seven or eight books, and he is going to um, engage us in a dynamic conversation today. Uh, you won't want to miss this episode. Uh, so without further ado, Kyle, welcome. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me on. I'm super excited about this conversation. I really am. Um, one, because I have absolutely no idea what we're going to be talking about. Um, and two, I'm really just impressed about how you've continued to prevail um, your excellence as a professional as well and how you're doing so much for our educational system. Thank you. Thank you for that. <laughs> Sure. So before we get started, if you wouldn't mind, would you just give us a brief introduction about who you are and what it is that you do? Of course, who I am um, outside of titles is a father um, to a beautiful and, and lovely and smart six-year-old. Um, his name is Carter. I'm a man of God. I'm a man of my faith. Um, I like to say that I'm a vessel. So where, I'm, where I am today and how I'm serving people today um, on earth may be completely different than where I was years ago. Um, and then another thing is that I'm a, I'm a learner and I'm a lover um, because I, I truly have a passion for um, advancing people because I love people. I love to see people grow. So I learn as much as I can and I execute as much as I can so that I can invest in people in our communities. Um, now, what I do with all of those different things is I run an online education company um, we have roughly 40,000 students on our platform, and um, I have a school that I own as well, and um, I also have another company that helps entrepreneurs, executives, and experts learn how to write, publish, and market their book so that they can scale their business through storytelling. Wow, that's a lot, Kyle. That's a lot. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> So I'm sure you all can see why I'm excited to speak with him today uh, because of all that he is and all that he does. So on our podcast, we typically talk to parents or counselors or anyone who works with gifted, gifted learners and help them to sort of launch in life. Um, anyone who helps them to achieve their goals, to achieve success in life. And so today's conversation, I want to have you talk about some things that have impacted you. And I also want you to offer guidance on those young people who are um, in this category. And you don't have to be gifted to appreciate this, but one of the things that I like to share with our audience is the fact that, you know, a lot of parents who have gifted learners take the time to curate their educational experience, right? They sort of do the best that they can to um, tailor fit their needs, their interests, their strengths and their weaknesses. And so I'm an advocate for at the end of their educational career, you know, from kindergarten to 12th grade, what's the next step? Of course, college is an option, 
But I want to talk about something that we don't talk about enough with our young people, and that's entrepreneurship. That, that is a viable path, especially for this population of students. And the reason that I say that is because a lot of times when they are very young, they have um, this ability to hone in on a strength and interest that they have, and they can stick with it for a few years. And then they might move on to something else that they're interested in. But typically, they figure out what they want to do in life at a very young age. And so I'd like if you would start with um, sort of your educational experience, you know, what you remember about your education as an elementary, middle school, high school student, and how your interests um, were sort of revealed to you and how your educational experience impacted that, whether you felt like it was stifling or you had teachers or opportunities to really sort of catapult what you were interested in. If you could just kind of start there. Of course. Um, one, I believe that my educational experience and my love for education started with my parents. Um, and I, I'm not your typical uh, Black male that grew up in a single parent household. I was fortunate enough to have two parents that um, even though they came from very tough backgrounds, even though they didn't have college degrees, even though that they um, experienced a lot of trauma and a lot of um, challenges within their life, they were able to instill in me the importance um, and that pri the education is the priority. And what I always remembered my father saying growing up is that you're a student before you're an athlete. You're a student athlete first. And it's not just in the traditional sense of grades or education in regards to the classroom, but I first understood how to be a student of everything, a student of people and asking questions about why are the signs where they are, why are their businesses doing this. First step for me was to ask questions. My father used to always say that, son, before you look for an answer, I want you, I want you to search for a better question. So even in my life today, before I look for any answers on Google or in people or with my mentors, I've learned and mastered the importance of asking powerful questions because early on, I would go to different events or different workshops or different things as well. And if you ask a powerful question to the person that is speaking, you already create some type of separation between or with everyone else that's in the building or at the workshop as well. So with that first instilling me in education and the priority um, that translated over into my grades. So I was very involved um, within the school system. Um, I maintained a 4.0 all through elementary, all through middle school. Um, and then I graduated top of my class in high school as well. Um, I had division one scholarships to play sports. And one of my, interestingly, one of my biggest regrets is going to play ball um, as a college athlete where I had an academic scholarship to go to Stanford University, full ride academic. But I wanted to pursue athletics um, because of my, um, I guess, desire to want to go pro. But throughout, throughout my educational experience and journey, and I went to public schools my whole career, um, I had teachers that invested in me. Second grade, Mr. Clay. Um, in Grayson Elementary School in Georgia. I'll never forget him. He was the first person that actually affirmed us in the classroom and told us that we could be more than just that. And then we had to, I remember, uh, wow, I remember this. Um, every At the beginning of every class, he said, who do you want to be today? And the whole class, he would address you as that. 
So officer, this person, or doctor, this person, or hey, I need you to be this person or whatever the case may be. And he would address us as that. And we created, he created projects for us that exposed us to all of the potential careers or opportunities out there. So I'll never forget him. Um, in high school, Miss McDuffie, um, and she invested so much into us, not just as students, but as black men and women. Um, I went to a predominantly black high school and we, she brought in other leaders within the community that represented what we could be. Um, and it was just a beautiful experience and even in middle school. So I could pinpoint different educators throughout my career, different mentors, different counselors. And the difference that always separated me is my ability to ask them questions. And I challenged education in the classroom. So I wasn't one of those students that just sat in the classroom and took on the lesson. I wanna know more and I want you to be able to teach me more. So now it, it challenged our educators to go off and learn more so that they can be able to present that in the classroom. And those same transferable skills went to, to college. I've, you know, have a dual degree in finance and inter international business. Um, I went and finished my master's in urban education at the University of North Carolina at Charlotte. Um, so now I'm here as an entrepreneur and a lot of people think that I've just started entrepreneurship, but I have a totality of experiences that allowed me to really be successful as an entrepreneur. Okay, Kyle. So, <laughs> well, I'm going to have to profile you now because we have never had this conversation. Yeah. So you just uncovered a lot of things that I was not aware of, but I pegged you. <laughs> <laughs> I pegged you. So now one of the reasons I talk about giftedness and a gifted program is not because I'm so focused on people's IQs and how smart they are, right? It's about meeting needs that people who fit this category have. And some people who are gifted don't have any struggles, any challenges. That's a small percentage, but a lot of them do. They have things like emotional intensity where they can be overwhelmed themselves or they overwhelm other people with their intensity, um, hyper-focused on things. Um, so let me ask you this, were you ever tested for or recommended for a gifted program throughout your school career? No, and I think, no, I was never. Um, interestingly, I never, so in anybody listening to this, I hope this isn't like something that I want you to do or something that I promote, but I never studied um, ever. Um, not in middle school, not in elementary school, not in high school, not in college. And I always, like I could literally sit into a classroom and I could connect the dots with something that's actually happening in real life. And I'd never had to study for a test. Um, so yeah, no, I didn't. Cause we weren't okay. aware as a family. So I'm gonna officially put your crown on. You're, you're, <laughs> you're officially classified as gifted because you, you have a lot of the characteristics. And again, it's important for me to emphasize the fact that I don't recognize gifted people for the accolades, right? There's a much deeper reason for that because research shows that if a person is gifted and what that basically means is that you are a fast learner. Um, when it comes to your same age peers, you could be an asynchronous developer, which means that you're like multiple ages at once. And the way that that plays out socially a lot of times is kids your age are not the best fit for you socially. Sometimes it could be kids who are younger. A lot of times it's kids who are older. 
And so a lot of kids struggle socially, like they'll get a, a bad rap for not being social, but it's quite the opposite. They are just forced with their chronological age peers and not their mental age peers. Mm -hmm. And so there's something that happens when these population of kids are stifled in their growth. Like if you, it sounds like you could have benefited from a grade skip. And while you have been wildly successful already, and I know how old you are, how young you are, it's phenomenal. I'm so proud of you. Thank you. Uh, I feel so old saying that. <laughs> But I am. Um, the point is, these programs were meant to give you access and exposure to things that are going to benefit you in life, things that are going to feed you in life. And it's just a mission and a passion for me to make sure that individuals who fit this criteria, who have this need, get it met. And oftentimes in the community um, of African Americans, we get left out of this equation. I was not identified either. And I'm not saying that I'm gifted one way or the other. I really don't care, but I wasn't even allowed to be tested. My mom um, has five degrees. She skipped a grade, um, highly educated. My uh, children have these characteristics. Even my husband does, but um, my husband wasn't tested either. And he's brilliant. So it is, it's, it's something that's actually common in our community that is uh, a well-kept secret, but a lot of times we're left out of these opportunities. Wouldn't it be great if we could have the exposure to curriculum that's going to feed our minds? I mean, that's how you end up with people who um, are on the cutting edge of innovation and all these different things that are going to serve you in life. For those who don't get the opportunity to be identified, who don't get to have a seat at the table as a student, so to speak, um, they can end up dropping out of school because they are so bored. Like, I already understand this. Why do I have to sit through this? Again, they check out in all sorts of ways. A lot of this population can end up incarcerated. There's research that shows that there's about 20% of the population in prison that are highly intelligent and gifted people. So that is a little bit about why I um, am so passionate about making sure that this population is positioned. And again, when it comes to entrepreneurship, I think it's really important for them to see that as an option because a lot of times they do need to not have a ceiling. And so when you're an entrepreneur, you get to pursue your own interests. You know, you try things, you see what works, you try again. And so by teaching them how to take calculated risks and understanding financial literacy when they're younger, they're just gonna be that much better prepared when they leave school. And so my next question for you is if you can just think back to little Kyle when you were in school at what age, whatever this might resonate. Can you think of the first time that you had um, your um, entrepreneurial muscle flex? That's a great question. So interestingly, um, there was a story before the story. Can I talk about that story? Absolutely. So when I was in middle school, 
um, we got a writing prompt in, in the state of Georgia. And it was the writing prompt. It was like one of the state writing prompts. And it was um, essentially, do you believe, like what is the importance of recess? So all of the students had to write about the importance of recess. And I was the only student in the state that said, we, I don't believe that recess should be a thing. I believe that it's a waste of time to go outside and just run around and go on a playground. We should do that after school, but an educational institution should use recess to actually focus on innovation and creativity. And there we should have maker spaces where we could innovate different things and build them. So I believe if the state was to pass a law that we should not have recess in school because that's not why we're here. And I got invited to come to the state Capitol building and talk on this. It was my first time being on the news and all these different things. I think I was 12 years old. Oh, and wow. that one moment gave me all of the motivation that I need to, and believe in myself that my story or my opinion or my voice matters. So the next summer, I'm going into the summer. Um, I talked to my parents and said, hey, I want to start a lawn care business. And I just need to borrow you guys, um, you know, your lawnmower and dad, if you could walk with me. And I knocked on doors. And I think I made my first thousand dollars that summer. And then wow. when I came into school that following year, I came into school and um, I asked my dad to front the investment to get candy because kids like candy in classrooms. So I had, as he said, how much do you need? I said, I need $50 worth of candy. So then we went to Sam's Club, we got the big boxes of candy, and then I brought an extra book bag to school and kept that in the locker room. And then every single day I would go off and give candy and every single Skittles and M&Ms were a dollar per um, you know, package. So I was making hundreds of dollars in a week. And then I paid my dad his initial investment back and then I was then moving. So then people began to see me as like the candy guy in class, the candy athlete in class. And what I did is then I started to hire the athletes on my team because they didn't have money. They were from, you know, different backgrounds. So then I said, all I want is 50%. So everything that you sell, I'll front it. And I just wanted 50%. And then we began to actually start making money. And then I believe the next year they had like some rule in school where they started putting vending machines in the school and you can't, kids can't sell candy um, and all these different things. But that was all the spark that I needed. And my mom, um, she was pregnant with my sister at 13 years old. She grew up in South Jersey, grew up in the projects, never had a father, um, single mother household. And her mother was actually a foster care parent. So there was always a competition within the household for her. My mom, no college degree. She's now the only black executive with Volvo cars of North America. So I say that because my mom, when I was growing up, would bring me to events with them and she would like she would move in the room and learn how to network and she would like meet these people and then introduce herself and all these different things she would put herself out there and she didn't know but i was watching this and that same charisma or ability to communicate to people and that thing that exposure as was all i needed going into high school where i actually started my first full business and i was making probably $1000 a week <laughs> wow. <laughs> that is awesome. That's awesome.